8 in your Bible. Here, babe. Hold that. So we're in Luke chapter 8 last week. We was in Luke chapter 7, and, you know, we go through the Bible verse by verse. That way you're going to cover everything. You're going to cover it all. Luke chapter 8, men and women, they ministered to Christ. And it came to pass after that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom he had come seven demons. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, her steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Chusa there was a person in charge of Herod's domestic uh, affairs, his finances. So I guess he was a person that could be trusted. There were those who ministered to Jesus. And, every, and many believers were wealthy with property and possessions and provided for him from their substance, as it should be. God blesses us financially so we can bless other people. So some of these women were, I mean, some of these people were women, wealthy women. And they used their money for the Lord's necessities, and the Lord received it. The Lord could have rained down money out of the sky if he wanted to. But he received it from these women, from these bro uh, brothers in Christ, and these women. So they could be a part of the blessing. You know, that's why we give. So we can be a part of what God is doing. And if God blesses us, we're going to bless other people. God has blessed these people financially. They, know they, they owed him a tremendous amount of debt. Their sins had been forgiven, and some had been healed from demonic spirits. And that's something to be thankful about. And now he tells, verse 4, he, the parable of the soils. Uh, your Bible might say the parable of the sore, but mine said the parable of the soils. Verse 4, and when, he, and when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke to them in parables. The idea behind the word parable is to throw, the word means to throw alongside of. It is a story thrown alongside the truth intended to teach. Parables have been called earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed, and, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rocks, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it liked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground sprang up and yielded a crop, a crop hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has, has an ear, let him hear. In other words, it's important what I just said. He said something important. 
Revelation talks about he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say to the churches. When the Lord said he that has an ear, he's talking about the spiritual ear. Because you can hear with this ear and not hear with your heart, right? So the purpose is, verse 9, then the disciple asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? And he said, and he said, to you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables. That seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not hear. There was a lot of people that were spiritually blind. They thought they saw. They seen they were deceived, but they were spiritually blind. To you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but the rest was given in parables. Spiritual blindness is a terrible thing. They had, a des they had no desire to know or, or understand the state that they were in. They were spiritually blind. Jesus told Isaiah the people would, would listen without understanding and watch without learning anything. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah 9, 6, he was preaching to people who were spiritually blind. They had no desire to hear the truth. I wonder about that sometimes. Some people just don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear uh, you know, maybe the truth convicts. I don't know. Don't know. But Jesus in verse 11, he got to explain this parable. They don't understand. You know, there were guys just like us. The disciples were natural men. They had faults just like us. They arguing, you know, on the road, who's going to be the greatest and all of this. So they wasn't really, I mean, they were just common people like us. So he explained verse 11, now, this, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. That word hear is going to come up nine times because he wants you to hear not with these ears, but with your heart and your spiritual ears. So verse 12, those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they, be, lest they believe and be saved. They wasn't even saved. But he said, lest they believe and be saved. This is one group of the hearers. Number two, thir 13. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive it with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while and in a time of testing or temptation fall away. This is the second group of hearers. They're not hearing with their spiritual ears, okay? The rocky soil people, like many in the crowd who followed Jesus, believed his message, but never did anything about it. Kind of a shallow believer. Verse 14, now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they hear, when they have heard, they go out and are choked with cares, riches, and the pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. This is the third kind of hearer. They all heard it, but are they hearing it with their hearts? He's talking about different kinds of hearts and how they respond to what is being said. You can hear with these and not hear with this. He's talking about the spiritual ear. These people here will overcome with what worries and materialism and left no room in their lives for God. They left no room at all. 
verse 15, but the one that fell on good ground are those who have heard, they heard it too, the word with a noble and good heart. They got the right heart. They keep it and bear fruit with patience. This is the fourth group. They have an honest heart, they have a good heart, and the word became productive. So it depends on the heart and how you respond to the word of God. It depends on the ear. Are you hearing with these? Or are you hearing with your heart? He's talking about the spiritual ear because everyone heard it. These people, they heard it. They had a good heart and they followed Jesus no matter what the cost. And they tell me it is a cost to follow Jesus. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to count the cost. No man say he's going to set a bill a house and, 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 and doesn't count the cost because if he doesn't finish it, they mock and laugh at him. They say he started somebody, he wasn't able to finish it. That's a cause to be a Christian. We're going against the world standard. We are not of this world and never will be. So the parable, verse 16, talked about light. You're a salt, you're a light, right? He says, no one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing in secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to the light. Everything at the judgment is going to come to light. People think they're getting away with stuff right now. He says, everything is going to be brought to the light. They're running on and on and on in years and think they got away with it. But the Bible said, God will not be mocked. A man is going to reap what he sows. Oh, oh, a lot of people think they're smarter than God. They think they're getting away with stuff. Oh, with these lies floating around. He's going to bring it to the light. You'll see. He said, but no one, when you hide a light, you don't try to hide it on the bed. But you sit on the lampstand so everybody can see the light. When the light of the truth about Jesus eliminates us, we have a duty. We have an obligation to shine that light to other people. That's why he said, don't hide it. When Jesus has touched your life with his light, it's up to me. It's my duty. It's my responsibility to shine that light to unbelievers so they can see it, not hide it. So many are hiding their light now. Our witness for Christ should be public. It should be public and not hidden. We should not keep the benefits for ourselves alone, but pass the benefits and the blessings on to other people. And I've said over and over again, seek opportunities to shine your light. The world is dark. You can see that. Seek opportunities to shine your light. Sometimes it's a kind word. Sometimes it's a smile. Sometimes when I go to the store, especially Costco, everybody's racing for the parking spot. I just say, hey, man, go ahead and take it. You know, God bless you. Sometimes they'll say, God bless you, too. And then I say, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? See, I'm looking for opportunities, right? I'm always got that evangelism back on my head. Every way I go, I'm always thinking, okay, now, who out here don't know Christ? 
Lord, give me opportunity that I can share with these dying people that are going to hell. That's what I pray every day. Because I think I got something to say, and you do too. If you know Christ, you got something to say, man. Anyway, let's keep on going here. That's another sermon right there. If you have received his light, don't hide it. Now, verse 18 says, now take, therefore, take heed how you hear. You ain't supposed to hear this everything that come across the Internet and, this, and the social media and the TV and the radio. He says, take heed how you hear. You got to watch what you listen to, man. Because what you listen to is going to affect you. Oh, yeah. You can listen to whatever you want now. Satan's going to see to that. But he said, watch how you hear. For whoever has to him will be given. And, and whoever does not have even what he seems to have, what he seems to have will be taken away. Whoever accepts the truth will be given more truth. And the light God gives you, whoever accepts the truth will be given more truth. Light and truth rejects. If, you, if it's rejected, it will be withdrawn, taken away. Take heed of those things that will hinder you from profiting when you hear. When I hear something, I'm thinking, okay, now is, is that going to profit me? Watch over your hearts and hearing. That's why he mentioned this nine, nine times. He says, watch what you hear. Boy, there's a lot of noise out there. You got to be able to siphle through that. You got to be able to siphle through it, sift through it. Hmm. That's why I get quiet with the Lord, see. That's what I do. I'm not saying. I don't know what you do. Because I'm listening for one voice. I don't care what the media says, social media. I don't care a lot about that. I'm trying to hear one voice. But I got to be quiet enough so I can listen. Because he said, what, my sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me. Now, there's a lot of voices out there. Noise, ooh, drive you nuts. So I make sure I just put it all aside and get somewhere quiet with my Bible. And I pray and I'm listening for one voice. I don't care about all this other stuff. I don't care. They don't have the answer. If they had the answer, I would listen to them. But they don't. They'll tell you the problems, but they won't give you the answer. Well, we know Jesus is the answer, but nobody, nobody, is nobody is turning to Jesus. Nobody in the media is saying, hey, turn to Jesus. Nobody is saying that. Why not? Well, let's keep going. Because it's a lot. Jesus' mother and brothers came to him. Verse 19. Then his mother and brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. Always had a crowd. How would you like to live like that? Everywhere you go, there's a crowd everywhere. You can't even go for a walk. There's thousands of people following you everywhere you go. Man, that's been rough. So he, Jesus' mother and his brothers came to him and, and they could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Put it into practice. Applying God's word help us grow. 
It is not enough just to hear the word of God. He said he didn't hear the word of God and do it. With your spiritual ear. Applying God's word to our lives. This is a principle of growth. You, you grow spiritually. A, a muscle, for example, when exercised, when that muscle is exercised, it grows stronger. But an unused muscle will grow weaker and flabby. It is impossible for you to just stand still. I don't think that no Christian is just stand still. You're going forward or you're going backwards, but you're not standing still. Have you been using what God has taught you? That's what he wants you to do, put into practice. Hearing without obeying, hearing without obeying is not enough. We have to put it into practice, don't we? James said, for man, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving their own self. Man, that's cold right there. Deceiving myself? Hmm. It didn't say Satan deceived you. It said you can deceive yourself by what you put here. Right, in, right here. That's why Satan wants control of your mind. He can control your mind. He can control you. So you got to watch how you hear and what you put here. Hmm. Well, they say, hey, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brother. He says, no, those that hear the word of God and put into practice, that do it, those are my brothers. He took this opportun opportunity to teach another spiritual lesson. Being a part of his spiritual family, he was trying to teach it's much more important than human relationships. Did you know that? Being a part of his Spiritual family was more, more than human relationship. Spiritual relationships were, were more important than physical ones. See, his family had to come to Christ like everybody else. There was no special privileges. He said they got to come just like everybody else. He that hears the word of God and practice it. Those are my family. He's saying a spiritual relationship with Christ is more important than a physical. Because I've heard many of you guys say here, I feel closer to brothers and sisters here in the church than I do my own family, my own uh, uh, physical family. Well, verse 22. Now it happened that on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over on the other side. Now, I want you to hold that thought. Because we're going to say something here very powerful. Now he didn't say we're going to go halfway and sink. He didn't say we're going to go halfway and drown. And he's going to rebuke the unbelief. Because they forgot what he said here. He said let us go over on the other side of the lake. And they lunched out. And he said this before he fell asleep. So when he said that, he just fell asleep. He was done with it, right? Verse 23, but as they sailed, he fell asleep, and a, wind, and a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water. And with jeopardy, you know, it, it was like a, some said it was a hurricane. The Sea of Galilee, they say even today, it has fierce storms. The Sea of Galilee can start off calm, but a storm can come down in seconds. 
They said sometimes the waves are 20 feet. Jesus' disciples were afraid of this storm, even though some of those guys were expert fishermen, and they, they had never seen a storm like this. He said Jesus fell asleep because he was physically tired from ministering. It shows his true humanity. He knew that the storm was coming, and he allowed the storm to come. Mm, so a storm don't catch you by surprise. The storm don't catch Jesus by the surprises. The storm, the storm that we go through doesn't catch him by surprise. When caught in the storms of life, it's easy to think that God has lost control. Jesus, you know, just as Jesus calmed the wave, he can calm the storms in your life that you might face today. He can calm that storm. Well, anyway, verse 24, they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there, and there was a calm. But he said to them, where is your faith? Why did he say that? I told y'all we was going to go on the other side. What's the problem? Did you forget what I said? He said, where's your faith? And they were afraid and marveled. The storm didn't disturb Jesus at all. He didn't, it didn't disturb Jesus at all. What really disturbed Jesus was their unbelief and their lack of faith. And I think that still disturbs Jesus even to this day is your unbelief and your lack of faith because he's told you what's going to happen. Right now in these times, he, he told you what's going to happen. One jot and one tittle is not going to return void. They said to one another, who can this be? So he commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. This demonstrates his power over nature. Jesus was weary from his journey, from teaching, fell asleep. Before he did, he gave a command. He said, he gave him a promise. Man, we're going to go on the other side. The storms came. They got scared. He says, where's your faith? What did, I, what did I just tell you before the storm hit, before the storm happened? Didn't I tell you that we were going to go on the other side? The word should have encouraged them what Jesus said. It should have strengthened the disciples. It should have strengthened the disciples during the storm. But their faith was still small. Their problem was not the storm around them. Their problem was unbelief. Because he told them. The word rebuke was used by Jesus when dealing with the demons. When he would rebuke them. It is, it, it is possible that Satan was behind this storm. And many Bible teachers teach this. That Satan is the prince and the power of the air. Ephesians chapter 2, and Satan sent that storm to destroy Jesus and to hinder him from reaching a man that was demon-possessed in chapter 9. We're going to find that out. As soon as Jesus gets on the other side, it's going to be demon possession. Some say this storm was sent by Satan uh, to destroy Jesus and they keep him from reaching the other side to touch this man and to free this man from demons. Some believe that. Hmm. 
The disciples failed the test of faith because they did not lay hold on his words when he said, let's go on the other side. The disciples failed the test of faith. Hmm. The disciples looked around and they saw the danger. They looked around and they saw the storm and they got fearful. But they failed to look up to see God. Fear, faith and fear could not dwell together in the same heart. Jonah ended up because of disobedience in the, in that, in that be, in the belly of the fish. Jonah ended up in the belly of the fish because of disobedience. But the disciples ended up in a storm because of their obedience. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do and still ended up in a storm. How could that be? How could you do exactly what God tells you to do and still end up in a storm? The boat was not going to sink because Jesus was in the boat. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The boat was not going to go down. You might think you're going to go down. No, you're not. Jesus is in your boat. Uh-huh. That's why you've got to be careful how you hear. Because the world said you're going down. No, you're not. Jesus is in your boat. The safest place the disciples could have been the safest place his disciples could have been was in that boat because Jesus was in the boat. Well, verse 26, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite of Galilee. And when he stepped out of the, on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in a tomb. And when he saw Jesus... Boy, when he saw Jesus, what did he do? The Bible said he cried out. He ain't even said nothing yet. He just saw Jesus and, and cried out. And he fell down before him with a loud voice. What do I have to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. The demons recognize Jesus. It is a demon talking through the man. It's not the man talking, it's the demon. The demon controlled the man. Maybe mankind doesn't know. Maybe mankind doesn't know who Jesus is. But the demons does. They know exactly who he is. Verse 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For he had often sized him and he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. And broke the bonds. So he had tremendous supernatural strength. And it was driven by the demon into the wilderness. Verse 30, then he asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. A Roman legion was 6,000. It is believed that this man had 6,000 demons in him. Verse 31, they begged him that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Where is that at? It's a place of torment. That's the bottomless pit. That's the underworld. That's a place of confinement. You can read Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3. Revelation 9, the demons know that they eventually going to go to that pit, and they beg Jesus, don't send us there. 
send us anywhere. So, place of torment. They know their time is up. Verse 32, Now I heard of many swine were feeding there on the mountains, so they begged him that they would permit them to enter them. They had to have permission from Jesus to even enter the swine. They had to ask him. And he permitted them, the Bible says. 33, then the demons went out of the man and entered the swines, and the herd ran down violently down the steep place and, the, and into the lake and was drowned. To avoid the abyss, to avoid anything from going there, just send us any place, but don't send us there. Just send us into those pigs. But don't send us there, please. So they did exactly what the Lord told. Verse 34, when, they, when those who had fast saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what had happened. And it came and, and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. While under the power of the devil, this man could not be controlled but now he's in his right mind and he's sitting under Jesus' feet. Verse 36, they, all, they also who had seen it told them by what means he had been demon-possessed and healed. Then the multitude of the surrounding regions of the Galileans asked him to depart. Did you see that? The man just got cast the demon out. No one rejoiced and said, praise God, this man been bound for years. A demon is out of the man. You know what they told Jesus? Get out of here. Depart. For they were sighed with great fear. And he got into the boat and he left. He just, he left. Hey, you know what? They told Jesus to leave. And he, he, he returned. He just left. People tell Jesus to leave. He's not going to force himself on anybody. You tell him to leave. Okay. The community should have thanked Jesus for what he did, uh, freeing this man from a demon. But they told Jesus to leave. They thought more of their swine than the deliverance of a, of, a, of a human being who had been possessed by the devil. What a transformation. This, this guy demon-possessed, this is a miracle. This man is healed. Apparently money was more important to these people than a, than a person being freed from a demon. Apparently money was more important to them than mercy. Money was more important to them than mercy and they asked Jesus to leave. Critics of the Bible fought Jesus for destroying the guy's property, for the, the, destroying the swine. He could have sent the demon someplace else if he had wanted to. But they missed the point. It was, it was not because he answered the prayers of the demons. They said, oh, but that they might demonstrate that the, as spectators, they could see the demons go over the cliff and they knew this man had been freed because the demons said, I'd rather be dead than to be possessed by a demon. When, it was demonstration that the, man had, that the demons had left the man and that Jesus had done it. Jesus made it clear that Satan 
will take a pig, uh, Satan will, will like to embody a person, but if not, he'll try to embody an animal. And if he, if he embodies an animal, he's going to turn that man or that woman into an animal if he, if he embodies a human being. The people rejected the word of God and asked Jesus to leave. But what an opportunity they missed. They think, man, if he's going to destroy our property like that, what else is he going to destroy? They missed the opportunity. So they just told Jesus to depart. Many have always, to even today, value finances over, over people. Verse 38 said, but, but the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. Now the guy wants to follow him. The guy's been free. Now he wants to follow Jesus. But Jesus said to him, saying, return to your house. Oh, go to people that know you and tell them what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city with great things Jesus has done for him. Now the man is an evangelist. This demon-possessed man, free in his right mind, now he has evangelist. He's, a, he's an evangelist. He's got a testimony now. He's got something to say. He's got a message. Jesus said, don't follow me. Go and tell people that know you. He's a witness. He says, go back to your home and your friends and your relatives and let them see what Christ, let them see the change in your life. That's what we should do is go around folks that used to know us before we came Christ because they knew how we were. So you go back now and let them see what Christ has done for you. Hmm. This man now is, is going to be a blessing. He's going to give a testimony. And he said in verse 40, so it was when Jesus returned that the multitude welcomed him, for they were, were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man, Jarius, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. A ruler of the synagogue was res responsible for the spiritual affairs and the arrangements of the service, like a supervisor and the maintenance of the building. Verse 42 says, For he had only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, as he went, he ain't got there yet, but as he went, the multitude thronged him, but they tried to choke him, or they tried to crush him. It was so many people there. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. She had a hemorrhage. She had spent all of her money on doctor bills. And she came from behind, verse 44, and touched the border of his garment. And immediately the blood stopped. You know, it was a very embarrassing situation. She came from behind Jesus and she touched the border of his, of his tassel. The tassel male Jews were to wear on the corner of the outer garment. She touched the tassels. And when Jesus said, who touched me? Well, Jesus knew all the time. When Jesus asked a question, he always knows the answer ahead of time. He don't ask a question to get an answer. He already knows the answer. Who touched me? When they all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitude throng and press you, and you say who touched you? 
where they say there's many people around here and they're all pushing against you. But this woman's faith touched him. There was a lot of people there pushing and shoving, but only one touched him. So you can be in the crowd and still not judge him, right? And what happened here? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived that power was gone from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him. And she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. The woman, she was hidden. She had it for 12 years. She had a hemorrhage. Basically, she was ceremonially defiled and unable to participate in religious services. She was destitute. She was discouraged. She was desperate. But when she came to Jesus, Jesus met the need. She knew that he had healed other people. He said, he, she said, well, I heard about him. If he can heal other people, maybe he can heal me too. She pushed through the crowd. She was pressing through the crowd. Jesus was on his way to heal Jarvis's daughter, and she got in the way and, and, and got, got his attention. She went through a lot of trouble to get to Jesus. And Jesus said, somebody, somebody touch me. Oh, there was a lot of people there for different reasons. They were curious. They're looky-loos. But he said, somebody here touched me. Who was it? He knew it was. Who, who, he knew who it was. Somebody touched him by faith. And I hope that somebody here today can touch him by faith. Because without faith, man, it is impossible to please him. It's impossible. We are walking by faith and not by sight. Well, he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer for your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This is a loving, tender word. He says, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. At first, he referred to her as a woman, but now she has a relationship with Christ, and now he's calling her daughter. And while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do, do not trouble the teacher. It's too late. Your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher. It's too late. Seems like the Lord is always too late. I mean, I, I, in my prayer life, I'm thinking, man, it's like the Lord is always late. It's like he's never in a hurry. But I am. I'm in a hurry all the time. That's my wife. She'll tell you. When Jesus heard it, he answered and said, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Verse 51, and when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father of the mother of the girl. He had the inner circle, right? Verse 52, now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. Back in those days, they would, they would hire professional mourners. If you die, you know, like Harold, you know, when he, nobody liked him. When he died, he had to go out and hire professional mourners to mourn for him because nobody else did. They would hire professional mourners. Jesus said, hey, 
she's not dead. She's only sleeping. Verse 53 said, they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put all of them out. He didn't want no audience. He didn't want no unbelief. Took her by the hand and called her and said, little girl, arise. Then the spirit returned and she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. She was very weak from her illness, so now she's weak. Give her something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. He didn't want people to know that he was a Messiah until the time was right. He never sought publicity. It's like you see the healing ministries on TV, and they always want a camera. They want notice. They want publicity. Social media. Jesus put everybody out. He didn't want nobody to know until he says. He said he don't want nobody to know he's the Messiah, the Messiah until the, t- the right time came because Jesus was always on a perfect time schedule. And he didn't want people to follow him because of a miracle worker because of the miracles. Because people follow Jesus for different reasons. But you know what? We all are miracles, aren't we? Look at all of us are miracles. Look at your life before you came to Christ and look at you now. You're a miracle. I'm a miracle. God can turn anybody's life around. And if you're watching this today, by Facebook, YouTube, and you have not put your faith in Christ, I encourage you today to do that right now because tomorrow is not promised and things are not going to get any easier, so we're going to have to have some faith in these last days. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that we can come today and we thank you that we can hear your word. Help us to have the faith as this woman and reach out and touch you by faith. Help us, Lord, to not waver. Help us to stay the course and not be discouraged. Bless your people. Meet their needs. Encourage their hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. God bless you guys. Be safe. Pray for one another. Pray for us here. And we will see you next Sunday. God bless.